glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the uh, Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find my co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach. We are a part of a great network here with a ton of other great podcasts, such as Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland and Blake Sullivan, IDP experts, and many other great podcasts. You can find all of this on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. As I just mentioned, Dennis is back. Fresh off seeing the Joker, just as I was, as well, just saw the movie. So we are going to discuss that really quick, and then we are going to jump into all things fantasy, recapping the Thursday night game between the Seahawks and the Rams, and then discussing the full Sunday slate, as well as previewing the Monday night football game. And as I mentioned there in the intro, we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett back with us again this Friday after us having to take off last week due to some equipment issues. Fresh off seeing the Joker, just like myself. No spoilers. No spoilers. We're not going to give anything away. Just want your quick thoughts on what you thought about the movie before we get into fantasy football. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I'm I'm not someone who watches all of the DC and Marvel movies and you know what's the tie-ins and how does it go i i enjoy movies as movies and i enjoyed this one it, it was uh it was a lot of fun uh you know i laughed i cried you know not really but it was <laughs> it was it was a good movie i i thought joaquin phoenix put on a a great performance uh it, it was you know, there were some twists in it that yeah. Had me going, oh, I think that would be really cool. And then it turns out it wasn't real. So, you know, it'll be cool. I, I can't wait to hear as, as it uh, makes it shit ton of money this weekend. And everybody, you know, we're going to watch all over Twitter about it. People spoiling it for other people. You know, yeah. like how long is how, how long do I not have to talk about it? You know, uh, I mean, what, what is, it, is, is it a law now that? You have to wait a certain amount of time. I if it does X amount of gross in the first weekend, you know, is there a multiplier that tells you how many days you have to go before you can talk about it? No, I mean, I think, like, the fair way to put it is a week, I feel like. I feel like that's fair. Maybe a couple days. you got to give, you know, every people. other people have lives. It's not easy for, you know, I mean, me, this is, as you know, we were just talking about it offline that me and my wife went to go see it as well. Like, it's the first movie we've gone and seen in a movie theater in, in like, months, if not possibly a year at this point. I mean, as you probably can remember, having two young kids, it's not that easy to get out of the house all the time. So there's a lot of movies that I've had to wait 
uh, till they come out on demand on video or out on DVD before I even get a chance to see them. So I just try to avoid spoilers in general. But I feel like a week or at least three or four days is, is fair. I don't think there's much that you can spoil about this movie, though. I mean, unless you list off, I guess, some of the stuff that happens at the end of the movie, which you're, I, I, at least I was not expecting. I feel like the, 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 the slow burn into the just complete, I feel like the uh, a fair word to put is chaos that happens at the end of that movie is is incredible. So outside of that, I don't I don't think you can really spoil anything. But I'm right there with you. I, I love the movie. I, I mean, I, I just put out on Twitter a couple minutes ago to to Paul who's who's commenting on the thread. I think, in all honesty, Phoenix possibly deserves an Oscar for that performance. It was amazing. Uh, all deuced him in, and especially the amount of weight he had to lose to play that role. Because I mean, I was. That first time you see him after something happens to him and you see him there sitting out with a shirt on, I'm like, oh my god, dude, like, could you imagine? I, I'm someone who loves to eat and I could not imagine getting that skinny for a role if I was an actor, so... But yeah, just, that, that was uh, a Christian Bale type of weight loss there. Yeah, that's exactly what my wife said to me, too. I was like, yeah, I was like, I mean, it's just incredible what they... Because, you know... It's easy to sit here and say acting is an easy job, but I that cannot be easy going through that kind of body transformation. And then, you know, just to go off on a tangent, even with Christian Bale, we were talking about that actually on our drive home. Like, not only to go from what he did for that movie, I think it was like a boxing movie. I can't remember what the movie was that he got that that small for. But then to also go and get as big as he did for, um, I, I can't remember the name, it was a, a Hustler-like movie with Amy Adams. And then obviously he played... Uh, uh, Dick Cheney as well, where he got kind of really big for that role too. Like right. the, the toll that you must put on your body going through that has got to be rough. But yeah, uh, mad props to Phoenix and 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 Todd Phillips who directed the movie because he he's only done comedies up until this point. So in all honesty, going into the movie, I was personally a little bit worried about that. I was like, man, can he really transition into a very serious movie? I thought they knocked it out of the park. I know. A lot of people seem to be torn on it. I don't know where the hate for the film is coming from because I, everything I saw was was awesome. Like I said, I've had I've had one complaint, and in all honesty, it's not even really a complaint. It's just one thing I didn't necessarily like as much, and it's very minor. So, for me, love the film as well, and I I, I wish they were going to be doing more of them, but they've already come out and said this is the only one that Joaquin Phoenix and them are going to do. So I I will definitely enjoy it uh, when it comes out on DVD again, and can't wait for other people to watch it as as we were going through some the theories offline it'll be fun to talk about that with other people in the coming days possibly week after everybody's season we eating all day bro i'm hitting you every time every time you come as well i'm gonna hit you i'm not gonna be able to do that you don't want no problems bro you are my boy i'm a man about to get ugly i want to score yeah you don't want to talk so much it's time to do man Oh, there'll be another one, man. This thing's uh, going to make I a hope. shit ton of money over the next few days and few months, and they are not going to be able to resist doing another one. I mean, I hope you are right about that, but I'm not going to hold my breath on it. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't want to I don't want we don't want to hold up the podcast too long on all this talk cuz I know Matt's going to want to talk about it on Monday too. Uh we were we were kind of geeking out about it on Thursday's podcast about it. So Definitely a good movie. Me and Dennis both recommend you guys go see it. So, I mean, that right there should tell you guys to go see it. 
I hope you guys do. If you do, feel free to reach out to both of us on Twitter. I'd love to discuss some of the theories with you guys on it. With all that being said, let's dive in and let's recap what happened Thursday night, and then we'll jump into the Sunday previews. All right, so last night's game was actually a really thrilling game, and I'm, I hate to admit this, but I didn't even actually see the end of it. I went to bed in the third quarter because I have to get up at 3.30 in the morning for work. But the Rams apparently – what's up? You used to have such a high level of commitment. I know. What's I did. going on? I did, and then I – Did you I think was... you had to stay up later tonight to you know go see a movie and do a podcast tonight? Yes. What that, the heck? That was exactly it. I was sitting there, and I was – when it was like – 9.50-ish my time, and I was like, I am really tired, and I have to go work tomorrow for like 10 hours, and I was like, yeah, I feel like sleep is really more important to me at this moment, and and, and it was. Cause I, yeah, so, you know, I'm getting old, buddy, like, you know. You're growing up, man. Exactly. I'm, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that young pup anymore that can get like two hours of sleep and run around all day. I, it doesn't work for me like that anymore. But, I mean, I did catch the, the, the rest of the game, unfortunately, the – from what I saw, the Rams actually should have won the game, and Zerline missing a kick, but the the Seahawks end up winning 32-29 on the Rams' side. Um, so the numbers, I think, tell you a different story here on Goff, a lot like the Buccaneers game last weekend. 395, 29-49, a touchdown and an interception for in this one. Get you 27.15 points in fantasy, so it looks like a good day by the box score. But I'm going to say again this week, Goff did not look good. I don't think he's looked good all this season. This this Rams offense looks off to me. Cooper Cup rules the day at wide receiver yet again. I feel like he he's going to be the stud moving forward, although the Brandon's, Brandon Cook's injury could be key for, for Robert Woods to continue to produce. Cup, 117 yards, a touchdown on nine catches to get 26.7 points. Gurley gets you 18 points. With uh, 51 yards on 15 carries and two touchdowns, Gerald Everett has a somewhat breakout game, which kind of slapped me in the face. As I said, I would not start Gerald Everett, Everett this week, even though he had been doing good the past couple weeks. 136 yards on seven catches. And then Robert Woods comes in with 48 yards on five catches. Again, Brandon Cooks just one catch for 29 yards. What are your thoughts on this Rams offense? As in, I know Seattle's always been known to have a good defense. The Bucks defense does seem improved compared to what we saw, at least in week one. But neither one of these are considered top defenses. What, what are your thoughts on the, on the Rams' struggles so far these past two weeks? Well, I guess is, is 27 points really struggling? For for Jared Goff, if, if your quarter if your QB one is getting you twenty seven points, if he's your QB two in a super flex, are you satisfied with twenty seven points? Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a QB two. We don't get any extra points for style. He can get me twenty seven ugly points every damn week, and I'll be happy as heck. Well, see, that's the thing. I feel like a lot more quarterbacks are putting up better points. I mean, right now, so Goff sits right now as QB5, but again, he has those 27 points up on all these guys. You can go all the way down to QB17, which is Aaron Rodgers, at 100 points. He is he's, uh, exactly, he's about 20 point, 27 points behind him. 20, 20, I'm sorry, yeah, 30 points behind him. So he, he's the only one, though, because everybody else is less than 27 points. So there's a realistic shot 
that he could drop all the way down to QB 16. That's not at all where we, any of us thought he was going to be coming into this season. Everybody had high hopes for Goff in this offense. I don't remember if we both had him in our top 12, but I think we did. I would imagine we did I, after I the season. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, so that's my only point. I'm not saying he's struggling, but he's not quite putting up the offensive numbers we thought he was. I mean, it really, if you go back to last week too, if they don't throw the ball almost 60 times, he's not getting you the points that he got you last week as well. Add in the, I think, two interceptions and two fumbles. So that that's my only thing is I'm, I'm a little worried about Goff in this offense. I mean, Cooper Cup has been balling out. There's no doubt about that. But Robert Woods has only had two good games so far this season we've seen Brandon Cooks have one like one really good game and then one kind of okay game Gurley has just been in nothing outside his touchdowns I mean he's literally doing nothing on the ground so for me that offense is just a little bit worrisome I agree with you they're putting up points so there's no point in benching all those guys but I just feel like when they play tougher competition it's not like the the Rams of yesteryear, if you want to put it that way. And you were starting all of them every week, no matter if they were playing, you know, the 1980s Steelers steel curtain defense, because you thought they were still going to put up points as high powered as that offense looked. Well, and, and that's true. You know, I was I was a little bit facetious with with Goff and his points. You, you do want to have your have. You know, this is supposed to be a high powered offense. You want them to put up points across the board. But their offensive line isn't performing at the level it has the past couple years. Yeah. So there, there's something there. Their their defense isn't as good as it was, so they're giving up more points, which puts more pressure on the offense to uh, perform. You know, that maybe they're playing catch-up more than they used to. So they're, they're may, being a, maybe calling a little more risky plays, but Goff is executing them in a very conservative manner, taking the check down to Cooper Cup almost every single time. So it's one of those things where I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not all in on Gerald Everett. I remember when they, when he was drafted, he was one of uh, uh, McVeigh's first draft picks, and everybody, yeah. including me, was like, "Oh, he just got his own Jordan Reed. <laughs> this is gonna be great." And then they just don't use the tight end for hardly anything. I think it's coming down now. It's sort of out of necessity that he's had to evolve his offense and get the tight end more involved. And the other tight end, Higby's a, a pretty decent tight end too. They just signed him to a contract extension. So I, I believe that the Rams and, and Sean McVay believe that they're going to be okay. They're going to get clicking. Their offense is going to be just fine. Um, having Cooks injured, uh, if he's if he misses a game or two with the concussion, you know they're just going to slide Josh Reynolds in on the outside and and keep on going. Uh, it's you know th- they do that next man up. Yeah. If they lose another one, I would expect probably Everett to continue to perform at the high level he has and potentially even Higby then to get a little more of a bump as well. So the Rams offense, is it going to be, you know, is I, I don't think the the three wide receivers, if three different people in your league have them on their team, are all counting on them to be their wide receiver one this year. Oh, yeah, you know, no, absolutely not. It, it, last year, maybe you could have counted on that. Uh, Gurley, I think he's going to be fine. He's getting close to 20 touches a game. Uh, I think some of the yardage on the ground is uh, a function of the offensive line not being quite as good this year. Uh, I, 
he'll come around. They're they're managing his touches a little bit, uh, but he's he's still performing pretty well, and he's he's gonna he's gonna have an okay year. Is he gonna have a a, a year like last year? Probably not. But then I think for the most part, knee issues or not, I don't think it was expected that he was gonna have quite that good a year anyways you know we always i think a lot of analysts myself included whenever somebody has that great year then we're we're all about here comes regression yeah oh yeah absolutely we all said that about patrick mahomes and he's he's laughing in all of our faces right now with that with that regression talk yeah i'm with you on Gurley. i i I, there's no way i mean he was having like MVP caliber seasons the past two years, and had he not had to had he not gotten injured at the end of last year and, and ended up sitting out games, he would have been even better. Uh, I'm I don't think that he's going to do anything like that. Maybe it is load management. I don't know. Sean McVay keeps coming out and saying that that's not what's going on. Um, whether whatever they're doing, he seems to be healthy. I'll give you that. So I, I would. I would think that he's going to be fine moving forward again. As long as he's getting you the touchdowns, it really doesn't matter. I mean, he gets you two touchdowns last night, and that's really what salvages your day, and that's what salvaged his uh, his day a couple weeks ago when he scored the touchdown as well, though I think that would have been a touchdown to Everett, but Sean McVay didn't should challenge it. Yeah, it should have been a touchdown to Everett, but hey, as someone who owns Todd Gurley in the listener league, I'm okay that he didn't challenge it and the touchdown ended up going to Gurley. On the Seahawks side, Russell Wilson balled out in this one, 42.17 points, uh, had a just beautiful touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett, probably going to be up there as one of the catches of the league already, even though we're only into week five. 17-23, 268, four touchdowns, added 32 yards on the ground again, just the way he extends the plays and everything, he had a, a, a magnificent game last night. Chris Carson, 118 yards on 27 carries, added one catch uh, for a touchdown. Should have been two touchdowns with the way he uh, bobbled it and caught it twice there in the end zone to get you 19.3 points. Tyler Lockett, 14.3 points, 51 yards on uh, four catches in that beautiful touchdown. DK Metcalf, uh, the guy I told everybody to start on the Thursday podcast, I said that he would have a good day. Gets a beautiful little post-route touchdown in this one. 12.4 points, 44 yards, two catches, and a touchdown. And Will Disley just continues to prove he's a tight end one. 81 yards on four catches. I mean, not much really to go over here with with the Seahawks. Wilson, Carson, Lockett are in your lineup every week. I think DK right now, uh, he's had a couple good games, but I still think he's kind of matchup dependent. That was, that was my reasoning in putting him in there. Uh, in your lineups in the flex spot is because that Seattle or Seattle secondary, the Rams secondary, has really kind of given up a lot of points this year. I want to ask you about Will Disley. He, he's been phenomenal so far this season. Has he moved up toward the top of that second tier of tight end? So we know you've got Ertz, Kittle, and uh, Kelsey right there. I would say probably Ingram's knocking on the door trying to get into that top tier at tight end. Does Disley come in right behind those guys for you? Does he still need to prove it a little bit more? I, I think he's shown that there is a legitimate connection with Russell Wilson and Wilson trusts him. He's going to get some volume. They took the second tight end on their team and traded him off to Pittsburgh, yep. showing that, hey, we believe in this guy, so we'll bring in somebody to back him up, but we, we're not going to keep somebody around that you know feels like maybe they need to push him for, for snaps. Disley is the guy at tight end there, and that team is productive in the passing game, 
I think that you can put Disley comfortably in that second tier. He's a top six tight end, top seven, depends on how many people you're going to put in that second tier. Uh, I almost, I, you know, I kind of, I, it's, it's, uh, a Kelsey and in, I think Kelsey is in a tier of his own. Okay. I, I think then it, then it's Kittle and Ertz. And Ingram, because I think Ingram is pretty close to Ertz. Yeah. Uh, and, and the way, you know, San Francisco had a bye last week, I think. Uh, and so it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind with Kittle. They San Francisco needs to, to start producing. I think for Kittle to sort of maintain that, that stat, second tier status. But I think Disley being, you know, him, Waller potentially, uh, you know, there's there's guys there that uh, are pushing up to that that upper level, and they're starting to say. And a lot of it comes down to will you get the volume? And tight ends are starting to get the volume just based on being athletic and catching the ball. You know, that's it's they're kind of the they put the whole puzzle together that David Njoku couldn't quite put together. Njoku had all the athleticism part of it, but he, he's missing the hands part of it. Hopefully, you know, sitting out for a while with this wrist, he pulls it back together. But it's there. there's a lot of good young tight ends that are pushing it for that five to eight or nine range right now after those top four. And I think Ingram is, is up there with, with Ertz. Uh, so I, I think you I think if you have Disley you're you're playing him now unless you've got one of the other big 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 guys yeah you, you've got Disley in your lineup um, I think Metcalf has established himself as definitely a bye week fill in guy on a uh-huh. consistent basis a mid tier flex maybe um, they're gonna take some shots to him if you can live with having your flex guy get three targets. Because you know one of them is probably going to be at least thirty yards, that he, huh. and he's going to bring it in. So if you can live with with your flex guy getting you one catch for thirty yards on three targets, because you know it could very well be three catches for a hundred and five yards and a touchdown on three targets, you know, then I think Metcalf is is uh, you know somebody you can comfortably put at the back end of your flex starts. Yeah, I agree with you on Metcalf. I, like I said, I've liked him since he came out. <clears throat> I still had A.J. Brown ahead of him, but he was still right up there in one of my top wide receivers. My goodness. <clears throat> so I, I've loved what I've seen at him so far. Like like I said, I think with uh, Matt a couple weeks ago, everybody uh, giving D.K. Metcalf crap about only being able to run one route. Well, he's run the hell out of that one route so far in the NFL, and he's he's proven a lot of haters wrong, and I'm, I'm happy for the kid. So let's. Uh, you know, I had hoped. I, I almost thought that the potential was there in this game for um, Rashad Penny uh-huh. coming off the game on Sunday. Only four days till the Thursday night game. I thought that Penny might get more carries just to ease the load on Carson. I, I don't see you know unless I now I think we've established that unless Carson is injured, it's a clear. 70-30, 75-25 split going forward, which kills me because I love Rashad Penny, but oh, I, I'm willing to admit it. 
I know, because we're going to talk about a guy that I love here in a little bit and how he's turning it around. He's turning it around, baby. He's going to be that RB2 I've always been hoping for. With that being said, let's he's jump RB2 in. He's RB2 now. He's oh, I know he is. That's solidly a- behind Barber. Oh, no, 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 no. He's actually ahead of Barber in points, baby, and that's all that matters. <laughs> all right, let's jump in and let's talk about some of these Sunday games. First and 10 at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott. Takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in a 15, he's in a 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb-a-lubba-hub! 92 yards! Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep throb, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay home! Oh my God! Oh my God! So the first one we've got up here is the Minnesota Vikings at the New York Giants. Uh, Minnesota being given 5.71% chance to win this game for the Vikings side here. Obviously, there's been all kinds of drama going on with is is Stephon Diggs asking to be traded. Adam Thielen coming out complaining about not getting the ball thrown to him enough there. They're only throwing the ball what it seems like 10 times a game. Dalvin Cook is getting 50 rushes a game. A lot of people have come out and said that they think that the whole squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of defense here and that they're going to throw the ball more. And while the Giants' secondary has been bad, their run defense has actually been worse. So my question to you, the, the big thing for this is obviously I think you uh, – I'm assuming you agree. Cousins, I mean if you're in a super flex, you're throwing him in as your QB too. But outside of that, you're not playing him. Dalvin Cook is a must-start but do you think they pulled up back on on Dalvin Cook that much again? The Giants defense ranked 20th against the run. So they are not I'm sorry, 19th against the run. So they have not been good against the run. Chances are that means Cook is going to have another good game. If they get up, do you see them passing the ball to Thielen and Diggs? Uh, not if if the Giants get up. Yeah, I, I think they have to pass the ball more if, if the Giants are up. But uh, you're gonna Zimmer is gonna do what he feels puts them in the best position to win. And that's going to be controlled passing and riding your stud Dalvin Cook. I understand that Thielen and Diggs are frustrated. I have shares of both of them. I'm frustrated too. But I think Zimmer knows what he has in this quarterback now. They paid him too much money. Uh, He's a game manager, and so – 
we're not going to put the uh, we're not going to put the offense on his shoulders and have him try to win games for us because that doesn't nothing good comes from that. So I think on a optimistically, I think that the the Vikings want to throw the ball you know, 25, 27 times. And if they can complete 18 to 20 of them, it's going to be Thielen and Diggs getting the majority of the targets. Yeah. So if each of them are get if they're, you know, getting seven to 10 targets a piece, the opportunity to be productive is there. They've got to do something when they get the ball. You can't have uh, Adam Thielen averaging three yards a catch. Now, granted, he only had two catches last week, but he's got to, he's, he's got to do more when he gets the ball. Uh, and Cousins has to call plays to put him in the position to get the ball and do something with it. Diggs had somewhat of a breakout, seven for 108 last week. So I think there's hope. I, I think, though, that it's kind of, it, it's you know, the, the Missouri State slogan, we're the show me state. I think they have to show me. If I, if I have Diggs and Thielen, I'm likely starting them yeah. because of where I, I've drafted them and where they are in my pecking order. I probably don't don't have a lot of good options below that. So you know maybe maybe I've got a DK Metcalf. Maybe I take a shot on a Debo Samuel, uh, somebody like that that I'm going to hope pops off and gives me some points. But for the most part, if if you drafted Diggs and Thielen in the fourth round, they're probably in your lineup. Yeah, I feel like they have to be in your lineup. Unless you went wide receiver heavy in some draft and you've got guys you can start over them. I mean, yeah, you have to bump down expectations. They're probably both right now flex-worthy. I mean, if I had to choose one of the two, I would think Thielen has the better game. There's still talks that Stephon Diggs might not even play Sunday right now. So you obviously have to watch that. Yeah. So you you have to watch that, obviously. But I think Thielen, Thielen could have a good game here. Um my my one thing with them is it's actually interesting if you go look at it. Dalvin Cook has actually gotten more targets than both of them combined. So I do think that it is a little more something you mentioned and, and Kirk Cousins getting them the ball and calling plays or or taking shots. That is one of the things that Thielen kind of took a shot at Kirk Cousins about and that he he's not it seems like he's afraid to let the ball go down the field and take that shot he definitely needs to if they want to open up this offense a little bit more it'll be interesting to see if that happens uh I mean like as eloquently as you said it you, you likely have him in your lineup there's no way you can bench him uh unless you got you know I mean Cup was going in the fifth and sixth round unless you somehow ended up with like a Oh uh, my gosh, I'm trying to think of who went in the first round. A Julio Juju, and then you got Cup later on. Then, yeah, you can put Stefan Diggs down on your lineup. But we're, we're likely, he's at least in your flex spot. I know he is for me in one of my leagues because I, I drafted him in the fourth round. So he's going in my flex spot, and I'm just hoping for the best. On the Giants side here, Shepard Ingram are obvious locks. There's talks that Barkley's going to play. I don't buy it. I mean, if I were the Giants, I would not rush him back. I mean, if you really want to get him out there, I'd at least wait till next week against the Patriots. But high ankle sprains can can be devastating for uh, a running back, especially if he comes back too early. So Wayne Gallman for me, I think is is flex worthy or a flex worthy play. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on on Danny Dimes and um, Gallman. We've seen for, through the first two weeks, Danny Dimes has been a top ten quarterback. Are you throwing him in there as your starting quarterback and, and regular? 
we'll just preface this right now by saying if you're in a super flex, any starting quarterback out there, you're starting. We we don't I don't I don't feel like we should need to address super flex every time. You're starting these guys in super flex. So uh, when I ask you these questions, I mean it as in if you're playing in just a regular start one QB league, are you willing to start Danny Dimes as a top ten quarterback this weekend? And then what are your thoughts on Gallman this week against a, a tough Vikings well, defense? Well, the Vikings are, have given up. Uh, let's see. Ninth fewest yards rushing. I, I Gallman is going to get volume. He he's the you know it's him and John Hilleman and uh, I so it's him. Uh, when they run the ball, it's going to be him. I think with uh, Daniel Jones's athleticism, that kind of gives them a little bit something extra. We saw what Russell Wilson uh, could do last night, and that was going up against Aaron Donald one of the best uh, defensive tackles, defensive linemen in the league, Corey Littleton, uh, linebacker, and uh, Dante Fowler. You know, that Rams defense, while not playing as good as it has in years past, still has some extremely talented guys there. And so the Vikings, if they employ some of those same move concepts for Jones to get him away from, uh, or the Giants, from the Vikings rush, you know, then the opportunity is going to be there to maybe make some plays with his feet or getting the ball downfield, we got Golden Tate coming back. Uh, Sterling Shepard has shown that he's he's a fairly reliable guy, and then you know Darius Slayton is popping off, and Evan Ingram is just always there now. Yeah, he's stepped up and he is the number one guy, the number one target in that offense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Tate comes in and challenges him for that in the first week, or is it gonna? You know, take Tate a couple couple weeks to sort of get settled back in. Yeah, see, I would that that was one of the reasons why I didn't bring Tate up. I feel like it's going to take him at least a game or two to get into it. We know he's a phenomenal player. I mean, you being a Detroit Lions fan, you've seen him in his prime there in Detroit. I mean, I know they're going to get him in the game plan uh, today, I would imagine, or today, on, on Sunday, because he is such a talented player, but I can't imagine he's that productive this week. I think next week is that first week you can throw him in your lineup and feel comfortable about it. Would you agree with that? I, I think that uh, I, I think that they are going to feed him. I think they're okay. going to throw him back into the fray. I think he performed well enough in preseason. He knows the offense. And, I mean, Golden Tate, Cody Latimer. I mean, who, that, who, Darius Slayton. even a question? Slayton's popped a couple times. But, I mean, Tate, it, Tate and Shepard are clearly a level above the other receivers. So I feel comfortable that Tate's probably going to play 75% of the offensive snaps. Mm-hmm. So I, I would – I. I could see starting, you know, keeping him on your bench if you've got depth. But we've got teams on buys this week. Uh, it's it's going to be a little more challenging. We've got some injuries going on. And so I think bringing a healthy guy back, you know, you, you've got a, a young quarterback that, you know, wants to prove, hey, I, I deserve this job. It wasn't just handed to me on a silver platter. And he's going to try to do everything he can. And having a playmaker like Golden Tate, who's phenomenal with the ball in his hands, you don't have to, you know, he can average three air yards and, and you know, average 15 yards per catch. Oh, yeah. So I, 
I'd be comfortable starting Tay. I honestly on a couple teams I have him. Uh, you know, he's in the lineup. All right. Next. Oh, I guess we got to pick the game. Who are you picking to win the game? I'm going to go with the Giants. Zimmer's outsmarting himself. There, there's there's uh, a few instances of that going on in the NFL this year. I yeah. think that's something McVay has struggled with a little bit these last few games as he's out he's out coaching himself. And I think Zimmer with his we got to run the ball is doing that. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the Vikings. I think they get it turned around here a little bit. I still think they've got a chance to win the NFC North. Uh, I think their defense and offense is just a little bit better than what the Giants got. I think it's gonna be closer than the five points, but I'm gonna take the Vikings. Next up, you've got the Jags and the Panthers. Carolina being given three point five points and projected to win by fifty seven percent. On the Jaguars' side here, I'm a little bit worried about Minshew Mania, Gardner Minshew uh, in this one. The Panthers' defense is actually number one against the pass so far this year in the NFL, so they have been phenomenal in locking down quarterbacks and wide receivers. I'd be hesitant to play him. Fournette and Chark, for me, are really the only plays on offense I would trust throwing into my lineup. Who, if you had any Jaguars players, would you be willing to start? You know, I'm pretty comfortable with D.D. Westbrook. Uh, I think he, you know, him and Chark, they have very defined roles now. D.D. is that short yardage guy playing from the slot, uh, and Chark is the outside guy who they're taking shots with. Uh, and then Fournette is, Fournette is getting volume. He is getting targets. He's getting carries. Uh, I, I think that, you know, if I'm if I'm a Leonard Fournette owner, that Fournette is, I'm I'm like right now I'm like ride that big son of a gun. You you guys you keep giving him the ball and you keep throwing it to him. He has shown really really well. I think if he keep if he stays healthy this year and he keep they keep this kind of game plan, he the touchdowns are going to start coming and the chunk plays. We've seen him break off some big runs. Yeah. Uh, He's going to start racking up yardage. He's going to start if he catches sixty or seventy balls. He could push for the RB one this year. Yeah, he's he's definitely showing all the potential. All those people that drafted him one one overall a couple of years ago had all hoped he would show throughout this entire time. On the Panther side, CMC is obviously rock solid. There's no worries about CMC whatsoever. I actually kind of like Samuel this well this week as well as an upside flex. He got targeted a little bit more than DJ Moore last week, and that's what I want to go into and talk about is obviously you have Kyle Allen out there for the injured Cam Newton, likely still going to play for a little bit longer. Everybody had DJ Moore as like a breakout player this season. Are you worried about DJ Moore? Would you feel comfortable throwing him in your flex spot? Yeah, I think, I think you, you would. Moore is going to get the – best cornerback on the other team. Uh, he's he's the number one there. And so he has to rise to that occasion. You know, I've seen a few plays where I felt like he probably should have caught the ball. It was on his hands. He just needed to show a little more fight to bring it in, uh, contested against the, the cornerback. Uh-huh. So if he can sort of take it to that next level, Steve Smith swings swings by the – the practices, it gets in his ear a little bit about, you know, that's your, when that ball's in the air, that's your ball. You know, then maybe we see some of that from DJ Moore. Uh, but I also like, uh, I like the Kyle Allen right now. 
he doesn't have the mobility that Cam Newton has. Right. And so where Cam may go through two reads, move around, and look around some more, Allen is read one, read two, maybe read three, throw it away. Allen is looking to he's looking to get rid of that ball on his first or second read because he knows he's not going to be out running guys and, and shaking people off like Cam does. And so if there if the the read is Samuel first, uh, Olson second, and then Moore, you know that that may account for why Moore isn't getting the the type of target numbers we were looking. But each game, as Allen gets more comfortable with the game plan, gets more comfortable uh, playing against an NFL defense every week, I could see a little bit of you know growth continuing. And so I don't think it, I, I think it's a little early to start worrying about more. I, I it's kind of like uh, how worried are we about Brandon Cooks? He's he's you know Brandon Cooks is on pace. Uh, after last night's game, he's on pace for almost 1,100 yards. Uh-huh. And and so it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's easy to have the recency bias and, and get caught up in that whole, well, he only had five targets last week and three targets this week. Well, they changed quarterbacks. Now they're a couple weeks in. The game plans can get a little little more sophisticated as this young guy gets worked into the the game plan and now he's had you know three or four weeks of taking a hundred percent of the snaps so i i'm not worried about more yet yeah so the jaguars defense is 26th against the pass and 13th against the run so they play the run a little bit better still if you've got cmc he'll get you points in the passing game as well i am a little worried about more i i agree with you for the most part on that uh Kyle Allen obviously getting more and more time in practice and more starts is going to help him and look for more, but that is my biggest fear with him is something you said. Moore is their number one is going to get the best cornerback matchup every week, and the difference with Moore and Cam, as you said, is he goes through his reads. He's not afraid to dump it off where – Cam really showed that he wasn't last year and throwing it a lot to CMC, but the years prior, he would try and extend plays and hit his wide receivers down the field. I don't think Kyle Allen's going to do that, so I do feel like if Moore is locked up, that's why it's going to go more to Samuel, CMC, or even Olsen, who we've seen have uh, so far a pretty good year this year as well. So I'm not necessarily panicking. You're not bailing on Moore right now, uh, but I need to see more out of him. If I had him this week, I probably wouldn't play him, and because I said that, that means you need to put him in your lineups because I'm going to be wrong. Who are you picking in this game, the Jags or the Panthers? Uh, I'm going to ride Lenny Fournette, take the Jaguars. Uh, I'm actually going to stick with the Panthers. I think think Kyle Allen gets it done and continues, uh, puts the Panthers on a nice three-game win streak. Next up, we've got a match between two winless teams, the Arizona Cardinals at 0-3-1 and and the Bengals at 0-4. Cincinnati actually projected to win this by 56% and are being given three points. We'll start, though, on the Cardinals side. DJ, good to go. Bengals, we saw it on Monday night, can get beat up by the run. Although me and Matt talked about it on the podcast uh, Thursday, DJ has actually been doing most of his damage in the receiving game because of how bad that Arizona offensive line has been. I think he's easy to fire up this week as well as Larry Fitzgerald. 
Uh, Kirk was listed as questionable. He is now out. Uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury has come out and said that he will not play this week, but could be back for week six. So outside of DJ and Fitz, are you starting anybody in this offense? You know, that's a it's it's tough. Uh, I love DJ. I think uh, it, it's a prime time. If you're pushing for a championship, this is, you know, you should be going out and trying to uh, spend some assets and get DJ. I think he's the set. He, they've shown that he's the centerpiece of their team. He's going to lead them in rushing and he's getting a ton of targets again. Uh, you know, Larry's getting his stuff. You know, they're, they're not doing much with their tight ends. Who, who do they have? Demir Bird, you know, he pops off every now and again. Uh, they're talking, you know, Andy Isabella is going to be running on the outside. So all those Isabella truthers, you know, this may be your shot to take a victory <laughs> lap this week. I don't know. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not a. No, I'm, I'm right there with I'm you. not an Andy Isabella believer. So I, I think the, the Cardinals, because they because of their injuries and their poor offensive line, I think they're going to struggle this week outside of DJ and Fitz. Yeah, so the the Bengals defense 17th against the pass, so actually fair, you know, middle of the pack so to say. Uh so that that's why I think Fitz he's he's a Hall of Famer. He's still going to get you some. That's why I say he's a flex starter this week, but they are 26th against the run. So that's why I say DJ fire him up. You're you're not starting you're not sitting him anyway because he is a stud. Uh but I do expect him to have a really good game rushing here. On the Bengals side here, so the obvious easy play is uh, fire up Tyler Eifert because it seems like the Arizona Cardinals do not know how to cover a tight end. Me and you could go out oh, there and play as their tight end. Oh, it doesn't seem like it. That's a, that's a full-grown fact. <laughs> okay. Well, that is true. They are uh, they are 27. I'm sorry. Uh, they are not 27. That is the Bengals who are 27. They are 28th against the pass. So you're firing up Tyler Eifert this week. Uh, you're obviously firing up Joe Mixon as well. Uh, kind of goes into the draft capital theory I guess if you want to put it that way you took him so high you can't really sit him they they have been fairly decent though against the run and being they are ranked number five right now against the run so they um oh I'm sorry no they are horrible against the run they are 25th against the run I take that back so you are definitely firing up Joe Mixon as he is likely going to have a phenomenal game as well in this one, so after Mixon and Eifert, Boyd, you're you're throwing him in there because he's good. The big question for us, I think, has got to be Auden Tate. We saw him step up and have a good game when Josh, John Ross went out in the Monday night game. We also saw that he had a good game last week as well. Are you willing to pick up Auden Tate and throw him in your flex? Not only am I willing, I actually did. Okay. All right. So... It's a, you know, I, he's one of. The, do you remember Josh Malone out of Tennessee that was on the Bengals for yes, I, do. I don't know three or four years? Man, I kept one. It's like Tate is doing. He he's taking that step that Malone never quite took. It seemed, and so I I, I like what Tate's doing. You know, and he's big. He's you know, Kelvin Benjamin two point but with a little more speed and a little more athleticism. So 6'5", 228. I, I'm, I'm all about it. I think it's not like they have a whole heck of a lot of other options. You know, Alex Erickson, I think Cody Core is actually gone. Uh, you know, with Ross and A.J. Green out, 
it, it ends up being slim pickings. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, uh, geo is potentially a flex option this week. I, I would be fairly comfortable throwing him out there just because they're going to have to, uh, generate offense from somewhere. And, and you've got just a couple guys, you know, Cincinnati's offensive line is a hot mess too. Uh, it may be worse than the Cardinals offensive line. Yeah. I mean, they sat there. Uh, I, I watched. Pick, so. I watched Billy Price just get schooled last week after Michael Jordan got injured. It was it was ugly. So they need to uh, they need to figure out their offensive line uh, in a, in a quick quick minute here. I think they're getting they may be getting Cordy Glenn back this week. I think he might have finally. I don't know. I think he was in the concussion protocol for the past few weeks. Yeah. Uh, but if he comes back, that's definitely a boost to that that line at left tackle. You know, Dalton is stepping up in this offense. Whatever Zach Taylor's doing, you know, it's working for Andy Dalton. So, all right, so who are you picking? One of these, there's no way that they tie. So one of these teams is not going to be winless anymore. Who are you taking to get the win? Oh, it's possible they can tie. It is possible. Because uh, you know if they tie, I, it's going to end up being like a 3-3 game going into overtime. Right. And nobody wants a, to see a that. A defensive battle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the Bengals. Man, we're just opposite on everything today. I'm going with the Cardinals. I'm taking my guy Kyler Murray to get his first win, sitting right outside the top twelve of quarterbacks so far this season as well. I think he has a decent game here, but you're not you're not firing him up in in fantasy. Next up, we have a game. Kyler that, Murray's gonna be in Mexico playing winter ball in six weeks. Ah, oh, how dare you say that, sir? Next <laughs> up, we have a uh, a game that will likely be a defensive battle in the Bills and the Titans. The Titans getting the three points in this one and seventy four percent chance to win this, likely because. Matt Barkley is starting at quarterback. We know Josh Allen still in the concussion protocol. It is going to be Matt Barkley. For that, for him being in there, that really kind of takes John Brown out of starter uh, wide receiver to a flex consideration for me. But I do think that fires Beasley up as an upside flex. What are your thoughts on those two? I think Beasley has shown all season that he's flex worthy. Uh uh, unfortunately, me as a Jay, Zay Jones guy, that's been troublesome because Zay works that uh, short and intermediate area a lot. Yeah. But Beasley has been the guy there. He's developed a lot of trust. It, you know, it's gonna. It, I, I guess the question is gonna be: Does Beasley have that same trust with Barkley that he has with Allen? And if not, then maybe it ends up being Zay Jones because Zay Jones was there last year. Uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be a coin flip. You, you just don't know. Bar, you know, we watched Barkley play before. He 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 almost couldn't have more of an opposite skill set than Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be tricky to to figure out what's going to happen. It. I agree with you. John Brown is probably going to suffer because that doesn't fit with uh, Matt Barkley's game. Uh, Beasley, you know, Dawson Knox, you know, those guys, those two guys could both flourish this week. 
Yeah, Dawson Knox is a guy I would throw in it. If you don't have one of those top tight ends and looking for a dart throw, I mean, he's likely been picked up at this point. But if you have him as like a dart throw with some upside, I would throw him in there as the Titans are ranked 14th against the pass, 15th against the run. So a, a, a fairly decent defense. Mike Vrabel has had those guys playing very well. Singletary has not been ruled out yet. I imagine he doesn't play. So if you have Frank Gore, I think you can throw him in as a flex starter. If Singletary does play, I feel the same thing. I think you can throw him in as a as a flex player. The Titans, though, I think have a much I, I was gonna say much harder. That doesn't make much sense. A much more difficult matchup here. Is the Bills number four against the pass and number seven against the run. So their defense has been outstanding. We saw it last week against the Patriots. They really did a good job of shutting them down. Neither one of us have ever have been very big Derrick Henry believers, yet I think if you've got him, you've got to fire him up because he has proven it all year long. What are your thoughts on Henry in this matchup? Yeah, he, he's a, a starter until proven otherwise. They've given him... I don't know, 75, 80% of the carries. He's playing a lot of snaps. It's, uh, it's his show there now. Deion Lewis has become an afterthought. Yeah. Um, are you willing to start any of these wide receivers again against a top five defense against the pass? Because I am not. I think A.J. Brown got a little bit lucky last week along with Corey Davis. I don't trust those guys against these corners uh, for the Bills and then Marcus Mariota throwing them the ball. It's going to be hard to trust. I, I wouldn't want any of them as anything more than a flex play. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, we play in a lot of deep leagues where you start three running backs and four wide receivers or three wide receivers and yeah. three flexes. So, you know, in those kind of leagues, you're, you're going to be rolling Corey Davis and, and even A.J. Brown out there. Uh, I'd love to see Brown get more consistent. You know, he's on that rookie roller coaster right now. A uh, couple big game, little game, big game, little game, little game, big game. Yeah. And so if he can, if he can even that out, I think a lot of that does come down to uh, Mariota's consistency. But the Titans are getting Taylor Lewan back this week. Uh, and that's going to be a boost to their offensive line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Corey Davis and AJ Green, they're matching up against what? Tredavious White and who's the other corner they got there? Oh, uh, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I, I, always I forget, know, but you're I right. They've got two, two real good cornerbacks. So, but you, but you've got to throw the ball. Yeah. You know, Delaney Walker could potentially uh, become viable. You know, I, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to get 10 targets. So, if some of it's going to be dependent upon what Buffalo's offense does. If Buffalo's offense can score points, then Tennessee is going to have to throw the ball some. But if yeah. Buffalo can only put up three or six points, you know, if it's a you know seven three or ten three game at halftime, you know, you're you're looking at a game that's you know Derrick Henry could have forty carries. All right, so who are you picking for this one, the Titans or the Bills? Well. Allen, I, I, I'm going to pick the Bills if Allen plays and the Titans if he doesn't. I am going to ride with the Bills either way. I think that d defense does uh, does just enough to pull off the win here against the Titans. 
Next up, you got the Bears and the Raiders. Khalil Mack revenge game here up in London. Early, early morning game. So make sure to check your lineups. I always advise Saturday nights. Because this game, I believe, starts at like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning central time. So you've got to get your lineups in early. For the- It actually doesn't this time. It's starting oh, at a really? normal time. Oh. One at 1 o'clock Eastern. Well, look at that. That's, that, I'm, I know. I'm not going to lie. crazy. That sucks. Because I love waking up and watching football that early in the morning. But that is a good thing for your lineups. Brother. I was like, man, if you're going to put him in London, at least let me have football from 9 a.m. to midnight. Exactly. Come on, man. All right, so for the Bears side here, we know Chase Daniels is going to be the quarterback for quite a couple weeks. I think with that being said, for me, it's just Montgomery and Allen Robinson. And Robinson, I think, kind of falls to more of a flex player with Daniels in there. I know you are a big Montgomery guy. I felt like he has looked really good, dancing a little bit too much at times, but he's getting a bulk of the carries, which is what we wanted. Um, I, I feel like his his breakout game is going to come in this one as the Raiders are Hor- uh, I shouldn't say horrible, but they are they're middle of the pack against the the rush. They are seventeenth. Um, they are obviously really bad against the the pass as well as we've talked about many times, which is why I would definitely fire up a Rob as they are twenty seventh against the pass. But those are the only two for me. Would you be willing to play anyone outside of Montgomery or Robinson? Anybody else is pretty much a desperation play, you know. Right. Oh, Taylor Gabriel is out. He didn't make the trip, I don't believe. No, he didn't. Yeah, he's uh, out. I, I don't trust Trey Burton at all. Uh, he, he's not shown anything. Potentially, there could be you know, a decent amount of targets for Tariq Cohen, but that's a roll the dice unless, you have, it, it, unless you've looked at it so close. You're like, if, I, if you've got a coaching background and you look at what's going on and you say – you know, this is a game where they have to they're to be successful. They're going to have to utilize Tariq Cohen because of A, B, and C. You know, I don't I don't have that depth of, of knowledge and experience, and so I, I look at it uh, from a, a little further back. I I could see Cohen. You know, he he's their slot receiver uh, often. Anthony Miller is MIA. I think he's in the witness protection program. So it's it's a situation where essentially you're looking at uh, Montgomery and hoping he's flex worthy, yeah. and uh, uh, Allen Robinson. So I, I think potentially you know for a game or two at a time, Chase Daniel can surprise. So maybe we get maybe we get Chase Daniel. And, you know he puts up 250 yards through the air. Uh, yeah. Because it's the this Raiders, could be and one of those games. you know they just lost Burfecht, and uh, they're going to have, you know, th- they're having to redo their defense a little bit. And for all the n- warranted negativity around Vontez Burfecht's game, he was a very smart and intelligent football player. Oh yeah, he just made some poor decisions, but he was a hell of a football player. On the Raiders' side, for me, I think it's just Tyrell. So the Bears are uh, third against the run and seventh against the pass. So they're top ten defense in both. Uh, I mean, there, there's no way that you are – I'm sorry, they're not even seventh. They're twelfth against the pass. Still 
upper half of the uh, pass, but three against a run. We've seen Josh Jacobs has struggled a little bit here the past couple games. Maybe that was because of the sickness. I'm not playing him. Tyrell is the only player on this team that I am willing to start in fantasy. Uh, agree? Or I'm sorry, I, I forgot all about Waller. You're obviously starting Darren Waller as well because he has been phenomenal at tight end. Uh, I, I, would you agree with that? Would you start Jacobs? I've got to start him in a couple spots, but okay. it's uh, I if I can avoid it, uh, I agree. You know, I I don't I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, with Khalil Mack being as uh, vengeful as as he may be coming back to Oakland. Uh, I'm not sure David Carr or Derek Carr is going to live through this game. <laughs> Yeah, and I forgot to mention this earlier. Chicago is uh, is getting the 5.5 points. So who are you taking, the Bears or the Raiders? I'm taking the Bears. As am I. Next up, we've got what is uh, an interesting matchup, in my opinion. The Buccaneers and the Saints. If the Bucks win this, they actually go to the top of the NFC South. New Orleans, though, getting the three points here. On the Bucks side, I think Winston has... I put sneaky top play potential. When I say top play, top play, I think he actually has a chance to sneak into the top 10. That being said, you likely have Marshawn Lattimore on Evans. You can't sit Evans because he was likely a first or high second round pick for you. But don't expect a huge game out of him. But I do think that could lead to a good game for Chris Godwin. The big question is going to be, we saw them limit Zeke, obviously, on on Sunday night last week. Whether that was game plan specific or not, this defense for the Saints has been good against the run. My guy, though, Ronald freaking Jones has been good this year. You can't say phenomenal, but he has been good. He's sitting right now at 15 overall in running back. Saints are 20th against the run so far this season. Are you willing to throw Ronald Jones in your flex spot this week against the Saints? Well, I'm starting him over Damian Williams in one league. Well, I'm asking, oh, Damian Williams. I, I, I thought for some reason I, I did not think that's what you said. I like it. I like it. See, you're coming around. Rojo's winning you, you know, over. It, it, that it's one of those situations where you know, do I want a shit sandwich or a shit salad? <laughs> well, the salad's healthier for you, so go with the salad. And I know that's Ronald Jones, so that's what we're gonna go with. Uh, the Saints, though, are twenty fourth against the pass, which I do. I think that's a little bit skewed. They have, at least in my opinion, been a little bit better. Like I said, Evans and Godwin, they're easy starts uh, for you both. As as I talked about on the Thursday podcast with Matt, uh, actually the top two receivers in receiving yards right now in the NFL. So they've been phenomenal. I expect Godwin to be good. Evans, I think, is going to have a little bit of a a fallback game, especially after what we saw last week with the with the blown coverage on Peters and him getting a long touchdown for the Saints side here. I think it's just Kamara and Thomas. I, I don't see how you could feel comfortable um, throwing up anybody else here. The Buccaneers are actually number one against the run, so I don't expect Kamara to have a huge day against the run here uh, in the rushing attack, but I do expect him to do a lot in the receiving game. We saw that shut down a little bit against Dallas, um, but I think that was mostly because of Leighton Vanderesh, which we saw him kind of cover 
and shadow uh, Kamara last year as well, and he did really bad. That's what we were expecting in this game uh, last Sunday night. I expect him to bounce back a little bit there. Uh, Buccaneers, though, are a little bit susceptible to the pass, ranked 31st. So that's why I'm expecting Michael Thomas to be a top-five play this week. I imagine there's no way you're sitting Kamara and Thomas, and would you start anybody else? Well, I think uh, uh, Latavius Murray could be a flex play. It's certainly Kamara's backfield. But, you know, Tampa Bay is so bad against the pass that it's easy to pass on them. So teams are not running. Yeah. You know, they've, they've given up. They've only had, they've had the sixth fewest rush attempts versus them this year. So team, it is a, you know, does that mean they're, 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 they have a good run defense or the teams are not running against them. And so you don't have the volume to, to balance it out. There's only been in four weeks, they've only had 69 rushing attempts against them. Mm-hmm. Well, and that also might have something to do with the way the offense has looked as well, with them jumping up on teams, and, and as we saw with the Rams last week, which did kind of skew the numbers because I think they only ran the ball eight times in that entire game uh, because they were having to throw to, to keep up with it. So I'm sure it's a mixture of a bunch of things. I mean, they do have a nasty front line. You've got Shaquille Barrett is playing out of his mind right now at the linebacker position for the Buccaneers. So I'm sure it's a mixture of everything. Maybe they're not the best run defense, but they're still up there, I think, with that with that defensive line. Who are you picking to win this game, though, the Buccaneers or the Saints? I'm going to roll with the Saints. Man, we are really going opposite on everything. I'm taking the Bucks. I think they they pull the upset here uh, against New Orleans. Next up, you got the Jets and the Eagles. Eagles getting 14 points here, which is really not surprising. As, as we know, Sam Darnold has been ruled out, which puts Luke Falk back in. Uh, for me, it's just Le'Veon Bell. I'm not trusting anybody else. I know Robbie Anderson had a little bit of a connection there with Falk in the second half of that uh, Browns game, but we didn't see him do anything against the Patriots. I think that it's just Bell. And I would, did want to touch on your guy, Chris Herndon. Uh, he's still available, last I saw, in about 40% of Yahoo leagues. Now's the time to pick him up as he can come back next week, and I think he's going to be a viable part of this offense. Um, do you have anything you want to say on the Jets side? Are you willing to start anyone outside of Bell? You know, I think if you're starting anybody besides Bell, you're just in a situation that you don't have anybody else. So I could see Robbie Anderson getting getting a start, you know, as, as a low-end flex play. Yeah. Be, because you just – you, you got to put somebody in that position. Uh, you can't leave that slot empty. It It may work out, you know. The downside of it is one of the I, I liked a little, some of what I saw out of Falk when he came out of college. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. Falk has trouble pulling the trigger. He took a lot of sacks when he was in college, uh, and and when when he first came out, I thought you know he needs to go to a team where he's going to just sit and not do anything, learn that team's offense, get entrenched in the NFL but not get hit for a couple years because he took so many sacks. Well, it's one of the, you dig a little deeper and part of the reason he took so many sacks was because he kept holding onto the ball. Uh-huh. And, and if you don't get rid of the ball, yeah, you're going to get hit as a quarterback. So that, that looks like it's probably a slow processing issue. 
and usually a quarterback can't overcome that. So in practice, he looks good. He's got the, he, you know, he's got the arm. He's, he, he understands the game. I, I, I am, I'm not going to be starting Falk. I, I don't think it looks good for Bell. It's going to be one of those games where you just hope Bell gets 20 carries and 15 targets so that he can get you 85 yards maybe uh, because it's it's one of those that that Eagles defense is going to eat the Jets up. Yeah, yeah, you're you're hoping to get a a game like he had against the Browns, where he gets you like 40, 50 rushing yards on like 20 attempts, but get you a ton of passing catches. Uh, I think he got like 10 to 12 catches and like 80 yards. That's exactly what you're hoping for for him on the Eagles side here. So you're obviously starting Carson Wentz, Alshon, and Ertz. Those guys are are the easy to fire up. So the biggest weakness of the Jets is that secondary. They're 28th right now against the uh, the pass. However, they are doing phenomenal against the run. They are ranked eighth against the run right now. So would you trust putting in Howard and or Sanders this week? You said the Jets are ranked eighth against the run? Yeah, yeah, they are they are currently ranked eighth against the run. Wow. Yeah, they are only giving up 88 yards a game, actually, which is, you know, it's actually not surprising. I know I know you are a Browns fan as well. If you go back and think about it, they held Chubb in check for the most part. I mean, not that this is saying much, but they held Sony Michelle in check as well, although Sony has kind of sucked so far this year. Uh, they've done a really good job against the run. It's that secondary, you know, they really only have Jamal Adams back there, and that's it. That's really been beaten up. That's where teams are getting them. Yeah, the, the, there's only been now in three games the Jets have had 58 pl- rushing plays ran against them. Yeah, so that's that's not even 20 per team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know you hope for for your bell cow back or your starting back to get 20 20 carries. So you know there's that they're not. Uh, there's not a lot of running plays against them for that amount of uh, uh, for, for so it, it may be skewed a little bit I guess is my point because of the lack of volume um, you know I, I I'm certainly not looking for a, a 30 point game from Jordan Howard uh, like he had the, the other day with the rushing couple rushing touchdowns yeah. and receiving touchdown all that. Uh, but you know, S- Sanders seems to be developing a little bit of that David Montgomery dancing in the hole. Uh, I-, I think he needs to put his head down and, and go forward a little more. Uh, I-, I think that if if you're desperate, you know, they're they're desperate flex. If you're if it's a standard league, you're going to flex Howard. If, if it's a, a PPR league, you're you you'll you may flex Sanders. Um, but if I can avoid it, uh, I, I certainly will. I, I, I was surprised, you know, speaking of the Eagles, I really thought that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, while Jeffrey was out, w- would step up more. Um, I, I just felt like he, he was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, not that Mac Hollins was a, a world beater, but it, it was just uh, – it was a little disappointing. I thought I thought this might be a foreshadowing of the changing of the guard, uh-huh. uh, and Whiteside kind of showed that you know he he's still in the back row taking notes. Yeah, you taking the Jets or the Eagles? 
I'm going to take the Eagles. As am I. Next up, we have what looks to be a good game. The Ravens and the Steelers. Baltimore getting 3.5 points. The Ravens side. Lamar has struggled two games in a row, but you are not sitting him. However, this is another tough matchup. The Steelers defense, while obviously having a bad game against the Patriots in Week 1, have really been good since Week 2. Ingram, I think, struggles as well in this one. Are you willing to start any of these wide receivers outside of Mark Andrews? We we all know that Mark Andrews at tight end is is an ultimate an automatic start with how much he has produced and he is Lamar's kind of go-to guy, but would you start any of the wide receivers against the Steelers team? No. Yeah. I I haven't as as much as I've enjoyed the uh Marquise Brown uh pop off I don't think he's he's at that point where he's any sort of consistent and it's it's tough to trust and when they're going up against the Steelers team that's uh giving up let's see they were I think uh, 17th against the pass if I remember correctly well, they're giving up the eighth most fantasy points yeah. to running backs. Yes, they are bad uh, against the running game. I was trying to, I was trying to find out where they were. They're twenty seconds, twenty second against the run. They're giving up one hundred and twenty two yards a game to running backs. Yeah, so you know this is this this looks like a you know an eighteen carry at six point five yards a pop for Mark Ingram kind of game. Yeah, uh, you know with a little Gus Edwards mixed in touch of Justice Hill. So, you know, and obviously uh, Lamar Jackson with his 10 carries. So I I feel like the the Ravens are going to try to run the ball down the Steelers' throat because the Steelers are are poor rush defenders. Yeah. And on the the Steelers side here, I feel like it's it's the it's the exact opposite. However, that does not really pose well, I think, for Mason Rudolph. So the Ravens are legit against the run. Do not let the performance last week from Nick Chubb fool you. That really kind of came uh, all due to that one big run that he broke off. Even with that, they are still tenth against the run. However, against the pass, they are thirtieth, and that is where Baker and the the Browns really kind of made their money late in that game and pulled away in that one. However, you are relying on Mason Rudolph here. James Conner is uh, coming into this one banged up with the ankle issue. If he is ruled out, I still think Jalen Samuels is a worthy play. We saw him step up big in the game on Monday night. I think he'll be fine receiving and rushing the ball. And, and if you have Conner, you're likely firing him up. But again, with the Ravens being so weak against the pass, we know Juju is going to be out there, and you likely have to start him. Uh, we've seen it really looks like Deontay Johnson is taking the step up over Washington. So with the Ravens being as bad against the pass as they are, would you throw Johnson in as a high upside flex? Uh, I think, yeah, he's as good a gamble as anybody. And so I, I think him and Washington both. We, we've seen Rudolph have that connection with James Washington in the past. Yeah. Uh, Johnson looks good. He looked good in, in training camp. Uh, but they're going to, they're giving, they've sent out signals that have said, we're going to force the ball to Juju for a little bit. We're going to make sure he gets some touches. Not because Juju was pissing and moaning or anything, but because they're like, we got to do better getting our playmaker the ball. 
Uh, Connor was not listed on the, the uh, injury final injury report of the week, so he should be good to go on Sunday. Uh, I, I think that Samuels is starting to show that he's a uh, deep flex-worthy play on, uh, most weeks. They trust him. And while I, I know that the tendency for Rudolph has been to play a fairly short game, I think some of that is has been dictated by the coaching, and as the coaching as the coaches get more comfortable, as Randy Fickner gets more comfortable with Rudolph being in there, Rudolph looked good last week getting out of uh, a busy pocket and avoiding getting sacked. So I, you know, he's a big guy; he's got a good arm. I think they're going to take some more shots down the field this week. Uh, Johnson showed he could do it. We know Juju can do it. And, and James Washington uh, has shown that he can do it. So they'll, I, I think this week, they kind of get back to who they are offensively. That All right, Ben's gone. He's been gone a couple weeks. Let's get settled in. We've shaken off all the cobwebs. This is our guy now. We're going forward with him the rest of the year. Connor's off the injury, injury report. Let's go. Uh, I, I feel pretty confident. Uh, in two QB leagues, super flex leagues, I'm okay starting Rudolph as, as a back-end QB, too. Uh, I'm rolling out Connor. I throw Samuels in. Probably the only one that I'm not really comfortable with. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on with the tight end. Yeah. You know, I don't McDonald's, McDonald's isn't going to be back this yeah. week. But if, if I'm, it, you know, in those deep flex leagues that we play in, if I've got Washington or if I've got Johnson, I'm comfortable placing them in as my, you know, sixth or seventh guy down on, on that totem pole. Who are you picking, the Steelers or the Ravens? Boy, I hate both those teams. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, uh, can we get a tie? Zero, Let's zero tie. go with it. We're taking a tie. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Ravens. I think they end up winning it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Steelers. I, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a a believer in in Lamar. Uh, oh, yeah. I I think he's going to struggle with the pass. Um, you know, he he's got. I I feel like the Steelers. Uh, T.J. Watt, I think, not as fast as Lamar, but I think he brings a lot of speed off the edge. Uh, he's going to be able to be disruptive back there in the pocket. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Steelers. All right, I like it. Next up, you've got what is likely not going to be a game in the New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins. New England getting 16 points here. Uh, let's actually start on the Redskins side because there's really not much to talk about here. Uh, we know that Colt McCoy is now starting for them. Jay Gruden came out and announced it earlier today. I don't think you can start anybody. I love Terry McLaurin, but he's likely going to get matched up with Gilmore this week, so I'm not starting anybody on the Redskins. Do you disagree or agree with that? I don't disagree at all. I don't think that with the Redskins, the story isn't about this game. The story is about uh, Jay Gruden and his relationship with Dwayne Haskins. Which no, I don't think it matters. It, if you followed it at all, it's now come out that he didn't want Haskins. Right. Well, I don't uh, think he's going to he, be there after this know, year. Has, so. Haskins is Snyder's guy. And Gruden – and, you know, everything about the situation is said, I'm not going to set you up to succeed 
because I think I can win with other guys. So I'm not going to get it. It was like he, it's it's Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield all over again. I'm not going to give you first team reps with in practice. You're going to run the scout team, and then when you go out there, uh, if you look crappy, it's going to be because of, you're not ready, not because I didn't do my job. Because my job is to win, and, and I don't think you can help me win now. So I'm going to focus on these other guys. That Jay Gruden has shit the bed this year. And he, he's I I think. He's looking at his last. It he's looking at his last couple of weeks of coaching the the Redskins. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Daniel Snyder's only fired one coach midseason, so I don't know if they'll fire him midseason. But he's definitely not going to be back after this year. Uh, on the Patriots side, you're starting everybody. You're starting Brady, Edelman, and, and Gordon. Uh, I actually think this is a get-right game for Sony Michelle. He he has not looked great. I do think part of that, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the week with Matt. Uh, is the fact that he didn't do anything in preseason. I do think it takes running backs a little bit longer to kind of get their feet under them. I do think this is a get-right game for him. Uh, the Redskins 29th against the run. So if they kind of commit to him, which the which um, gosh, Josh McDaniels has come out and said that they want to do is commit more to him in the run game, I think this is a game for him to get right. Uh, I, I mean, do you feel good about starting Sony this week? Man, he's got to get right sooner or later. Yeah, and it's not that that he's not getting touches. He's getting close to fifteen touches, so he he's getting a consistent workload. I, I think it's just a matter of time before it starts to click with him. Uh, yeah, you, you got to believe they they're putting him out there. They believe in him. They're putting him in situations where I think that they think he can be successful. Or they wouldn't put him out there in those situations. Right. So, I, I you know, until they say, hey, we're, we're not going to start him, you got to put him out there. All right. Who are you taking, the Patriots or the Redskins? Oh, I'm going to take the Patriots. As am I. Next up, Falcons and Texans. Houston getting four points here. Falcon side, I think Ryan Sanu, who's actually had a couple good games in a row, and Julio Jones are easy plays. Devonta Freeman, is he worthy of throwing in the flex spot for you? Uh, really has not looked that good the past couple weeks. I think got bailed out a little bit with some touchdowns and receiving work. Texans 16th against the run. What are your thoughts on Freeman? Man, when are they going to give Quadri Allison a shot? Probably after this week when Freeman shits the bed again. <laughs> you know, I, I I I legitimately thought Freeman was a comeback player of the year. I was right there with you. And, man, it's just that team just is not clicking this year. Nowhere. You know, Jones is doing all right. Ryan is up and down, but, I mean, he was QB2 last year. Yeah. Sanu is out playing Ridley for the most part. You know, Ito's getting the short yardage work and touchdowns, which is screwing up potential pr- productivity for Freeman. Uh, I, I think the most consistent thing that team's got going is Austin Hooper. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about Hooper. Yeah, he's part-time a, stuffed animal stuffer. <laughs> he's obviously in your lineup as well. Uh, for the Texans side, 
Uh, I do think this is a chance for Hopkins to to kind of bounce back a little bit here. We've obviously seen a couple bad games from him, though the Falcons are seventh against the pass, so they're not not uh, horrible. Obviously, top ten against the pass, but I do think uh, Hopkins is going to bounce back. Deshaun Watson just missed him on a touchdown last week. I think Watson and Hopkins are good to go. The big question is going to be Hyde or Johnson this week. They've kind of been flip flopping. It was Hyde for a couple weeks. Johnson had the better week last week due to the receiving work. Uh, what are your thoughts? Which one are you starting if you had to choose between the two, Hyde or Johnson? Well, I I, I feel like it's it's Hyde's job. Occasionally, I think what happened last week, uh, Johnson got in, he flashed a little bit, was hot, and they said, well, let's give him a couple more plays, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Right. But I think they like what Hyde brings to the table from uh, a pass protection standpoint. He He's a, a decent runner still. Not not an outstanding runner, uh, but he gets you he gets you the tough yards. It, it's a essentially from a snap count, I think a fifty fifty split. But it, it, for the most part, you know who's going to get the most touches? I think Hyde gets the touches. Uh, so you're if you're playing Johnson, you're hoping he gets a couple passes for you know and takes them for ten or fifteen yards each because you're going to get the yardage that way. Uh, but they don't, you know, they don't throw the ball to the running back that much. So it, it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard, honestly, it's hard to play Johnson. Yeah. Be, because of that. Uh, he, it was, he, man, he's with the wrong team. He was not set free when he was traded to the Texans. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's see here. Who are you taking, the Texans or the Falcons? I'm going to take the Texans. As am I. Next up, you've got the 0-4 Broncos and the 2-2 Chargers. The Chargers getting six points in this one. On the Broncos side, Sutton has been on fire this entire season. He was a guy me and you both talked about having a good year. Of course, we did not think Emmanuel Sanders would be back. Uh, so that was kind of part of our uh, analysis on that. Sanders has come back and been but phenomenal. Honestly, it hasn't mattered that he's back. He's yeah, still, yeah. Sutton's still having a fantastic year. Oh, yeah, I agree. That's what I was saying. It was just, it's funny that we both thought, neither neither one of us thought Sanders would be back to start the season. That was kind of our analysis on why Sutton would be so good. And yet Sutton has been just as good, if not better, than Sanders. And Sanders has been back and been phenomenal as well. Uh, for me, though, uh, in the backfield, I still I still take Philip Lindsay. It's almost a 50-50 split between these two. And Royce Freeman did outproduce Lindsay last week. Lindsay the week before that. I think it was Freeman before that. And Lindsay had a big game back in week two. It's been back and forth. I'm taking Lindsay just because I think he's a little bit more explosive. Who are you taking, Lindsay or Freeman? I, I think at this point, even I have to admit, until Freeman uh, produces, Freeman's in a position he has to produce, outproduce Lindsay by thirty or forty percent to consistently get more work. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay has just shown himself to be more dynamic. Yeah. And so, while I think Freeman is a he, he's shown himself, I think, to be a little better pass catcher. He's not as dynamic when he catches the ball as Lindsay is, and, and that matters. You know, making people miss and and getting out there. It, you know, L- Lindsay is between the two of them. I'm going to concede 
the point for now to Lindsay. I still like Freeman long term. Right. Uh, so if I can get him, you know, if, if Lindsay could have a couple nice games over the next couple weeks, maybe I can scoop in on that Freeman owner and get him <laughs> on the cheap to maybe build towards next year. I, I might be uh, taking that approach. I like it. Uh, Chargers side, it's just Eckler and Allen. There's really not much to break down. I know uh, Gordon is going to be back. He's likely going to get some plays. I think this is at least, at at worst, Eckler's last big week. I still think he'll be involved in the offense, but if Gordon does come back to his regular workload next week, Eckler's going to be kind of relegated to that 30% of a 70% role. And just Allen, if Mike Williams plays, I think he could have a good week against a. Uh, Broncos secondary that will likely have Chris Harris on Allen, which I don't, which is why I don't think Allen finishes as a wide receiver one this week. I think he's just too talented to sit. Who are you picking, the Broncos or the Chargers? I am going to go with the Chargers. As am I, which sucks to see Matt's Broncos go to 0-5. Possibly the best game in the afternoon window, the Green Bay Packers at the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas getting 3.5 points on the Packers side here. I think Rodgers is actually a, a, a sit this week. He has not been that good fantasy-wise, although we did see him really kind of come through a little bit last week. Uh, um, my goodness, why can I not remember who they played uh, it just completely jumped out of my head. But he had a good game in the loss there, uh, obviously. Who, my goodness, why can I not think of who they played? It was a really good game, too. They shouldn't have, the Eagles, there we go, on Thursday Night Football. Uh, so they, they should have, uh, in my opinion, ended up winning that game. They didn't. Cowboys are 10th against the pass. Uh, so I do think Rodgers struggles a little bit in this one, especially not having Devontae Adams. Uh, 12th against the run, though I do think you have to start Aaron Jones in a committee with Jamal Williams, but Jones is getting the touchdown, so you have to kind of count on that touchdown upside. For me, the big question is going to come down to who are you starting at wide receiver if you're going to take a chance there with Devontae Adams being out. For me, it's going to be MVS, but it's going to come down between him and Allison. Who are you picking? Uh, I'm I'm starting MVS. I've been on his train uh, since last season. I, I just like, you know, he's big, he's fast. He's settled into his role. And so, you know, Allison has a little bit of a different role. And I think they're both going to have decent games. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas's defense is good. And Rodgers has struggled a bit this year. You know, he's not that plug-and-play guy that you set it and forget it. Uh, you know, it seems like this year he has uh, left that in his rear view. But they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make plays, and Rodgers is gonna try to make plays. MBS is a guy that that he's willing that he he is developed trust with. He trusts Allison, and with Devontae Adams out, both of those guys are gonna be on the field a whole lot. Oh yeah. On the Cowboys side here, this is going to be interesting for me. So I think Zeke is is the great play this week, especially in DFS. The Packers, 26 against the run, 142 yards on the ground, giving up a game. However, they are third against the pass. We saw Dak struggle, and these wide receivers struggle last week against a very good secondary in the Saints. The, the Packers is even better. 
I've said it before. I'll say it again. Amari Cooper struggles against physical corners. We saw that against Lattimore. I think that's going to happen again this week against Jair Jackson. The one thing that could help this offense, though, is if Michael Gallup comes back and plays. Dak has been a top five quarterback so far. Are you willing to start anybody in that passing offense for the Cowboys? I'd, I'd start both Gallup and Amari. Okay. But I, I picked Amari to finish in the top ten this year. So I mean, he's kind of got there. to stay can, on brand there. He can still have a couple more bad games and stay up there. He's he's pretty high up there right now, unfortunately. Yeah, no shit. He he can have he he can go three for thirty seven over the next two games, <laughs> and, and in that third game, end up at having an average over the three games of six for a hundred. All right, who are you taking, Packers or Cowboys? Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I am taking the Packers. I think they're going to – Aaron Rodgers has been dominant in Dallas every year. He's been down and come played here. I'm taking him to pull off the upset. Two more games left. We got the Sunday night game, the Colts and Chiefs, which I think is going to be a good one. The Kansas City Chiefs, though, being given 11 points on the Colts side. Looks like T.Y. Hilton is going to play, but that has not been confirmed yet. If he does, I think he's an automatic in, as well as Jacoby Brissett. I do think if Hilton is out, that is going to hurt Brissett a little bit, but he is still a great play. He was actually tied coming into the week with passing, um, oh my goodness, who is it? With Russell Wilson for passing touchdowns in the league. Obviously, Russell Wilson threw four, so he's sitting ahead of him now. But Chiefs 20th against the pass. So I think he both those guys are great plays this week. Um, as long as, along with Ebron and Doyle, uh, a discussion we had at the beginning of last year, who would be better? We see both of them getting splits. Doyle's had a good game. Ebron's had a good game. I think if you own either of them, you can play both of them. They, they likely should have good games here. The rushing attack is where I want to talk to you as you are a big Marlon Mack guy. He has not looked good since uh, that week one game. Has really struggled. I know he's been dealing with an injury here the past week. Chiefs are 31st against the run. So Marlon Mack, are you feeling good throwing him back in your lineup this week? You know, Mack has been one that when he gets a soft tissue injury, it can uh, uh, he doesn't play great with them. And He's working with the ankle injury now. You know, he's what? What they say? Uh, Mike Chappelle uh, is tentatively expected to suit up. It's definitely something you want to keep watching. And I, I'm disappointed that the Colts don't throw him the ball more. Mm-hmm. He was a decent pass catcher in college. It's kind of like it's like Sony Michelle, who was the pass catching back at Georgia. And New England won't throw him the ball at all. It's kind of turning into that in Indianapolis with Marlon Mack. So if he plays, you know, I, I like him to perform. I, I think he's learning his body well enough that he's not going to put the team in a position to uh, suffer. So you've got to trust the player, I think. And if he's going up against a, a weak rushing defense, he's going to want to try to get in there and get right. And so uh, if he starts, play him. If he doesn't, hopefully you picked up Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If he doesn't, grab Jordan Wilkins if he's available because I think Wilkins is going to have a good game here. Uh, you taking the Colts? 
Ah, uh, no, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, as am I. All right, and then the best game of the weekend on Monday Night Football, the Cleveland Browns at San Francisco. San Francisco getting five points, which is uh, not not going to lie, a little bit disappointing to see for me. So the 49ers, sixth against the pass. That has obviously really helped out the Browns this past week. I know, again, uh, Chubb had a really good game. But they've also are fifth against the run. Now, granted, they did have a bye week last week, so nobody could really hurt those numbers. But that defense has looked much improved this week. I think for the Brown side, Odell, Landry, and Chubb are automatic starters because any three of those or all three could go off at any time. They all have the talent. The big questions are going to be at quarterback. Are you willing to throw Baker out there in hopes that he has a good game? Ricky Seals-Jones, who had a huge game last week. You know, Seals-Jones has definitely showed some pop over the past couple weeks. Uh, Landry did clear the concussion protocol today, so that's definitely good news. Um, I think Seals-Jones was more of a – Flash in the pan right now. Just happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right call, right play calls. Uh, he's definitely somebody I've, I have to see be consistent. You know, he's bounced around to a couple different teams. Uh, Baker, I, if you if you have Baker on your team, you're I think you roll him out. That San Francisco pass rush is pretty fierce. Yeah, uh, but. He's a guy that makes plays, and he's got when when you've got weapons like Landry and Chubb and Antonio Callaway is back off of his suspension, uh, and OBJ, you know those that's it's got to come together. The offensive line, I guess now now as I talk my way through this, now I'm starting to hedge my bets because of that <laughs> O line. Man, we need a we need a left tackle, something fierce. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the Browns' defense is is actually surprising. They've been good against the run the past two weeks, but they're still ranked fairly low. Uh, They are in the top ten against the pass, though, sitting at eight. Against the run, they are currently 21st, so they are really not doing much, although it doesn't help when you give up, uh, I think it was 80 yards to a quarterback. That does kind of hurt your numbers. For the 49ers, I, I think, it really comes down to Samuel and Pettis, obviously, outside of Kittle. Kittle is the easy start there. I think you can start Samuel as a flex. I know I am in some leagues. Pettis has the upside. I would not feel comfortable starting Pettis, though. Brown, I'm sorry, Brown. Uh, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are out again in this game. So those are their two, two of their better corners. Ward being their best, both out. That is definitely going to hurt, although they did play fairly well against the Ravens with the beat-up secondary. Uh, Jimmy G for me, I don't think is startable. I know that he's had a couple good games, but it was against bad teams. I think this, this defensive rush is going to get after him. So the big question is to come down to RB. There's talks that Tevin Coleman is going to be ready to go and play Monday night. If he is, is that who you're starting? You throwing Breida in, Mostert, who are you starting at running back? I mean, have you heard? Are they, do, do you expect them to just slide Coleman back in 
to the starting job? Well, Shanahan has come out and said that if Coleman's good to go, that he's going to give him his full workload because he trusts Coleman. So I would right. think if, if he goes out there, he's going to – now, I don't know what that is because we've also seen Kyle Shanahan as a full workload being like, I'm going to give 10 carries to each of the three backs. So we don't know what it'll be. So that's why I'm saying like for me – for me, the best, or at least most consistent, had been Mostert. He's looked really good. Breida has been out there more, but they seem to use Mostert more in the receiving game than they do Breida, which is weird because Breida is a really good pass catcher as well. But if Tevin Coleman's going to be out there, I mean, in all honesty, I don't want to start any of them. But if I had to choose, I'd probably go Breida just in... Just in the fact that I don't know if Tevin Coleman is fully healthy, and we've seen him once he come, you know, once he's injured, it seems like he stays injured all season long. So if I had to choose one of the three, even though I, I roster Mostert in a lot of them, I'd probably go Brita. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot because if, if any one of them got a normal workload in this offense, you'd be like, man, this is fantastic. I've got a high end RB two rolling him out there in the Shanahan offense. Even Jeff Wilson, uh, it's it's just crazy. Uh, I'd be right now. I trust Brita. You know, he's the one that gets the most touches right now. So Mostert's been hyper efficient, and that that's cool. Uh, Mostert's really helped me uh, in my thirty-two team league mm-hmm. because I've got shit running backs. Uh, so he him getting some run has been uh, helpful. Not that that team's very good, but <laughs> that team being my team. But um, so it, it it's the, there's definitely trust issues for me with Tevin Coleman coming back from his injury. I, I need to see it. I need to, and if that means I start Breda, uh, and Breda only gets seven touches, and Coleman gets fifteen because he's healthy, I I'm okay with that. Right, because I'm not. So. I'm not willing to gamble on Coleman getting 15 touches and he gets four because yeah. he's, you know, they're easing him back into it. All right. So who are you taking to win the Monday night game? I'm taking the Browns. As am I. So before we close out real quick, Saturday night, Buckeyes or Michigan State, do you even think it's going to be a close game? Man, Michigan State always seems to fuck with us when we got, when we're rolling. Damn it, I was hoping you were going to be more optimistic. That's what I'm worried about. I needed you to talk me off the cliff here. You know what? We're we're smoking. You know, our team is awesome. And I I I think, you know, Chase Young is gonna give Brian Lewerke fits. Yeah. So he's gonna be in that backfield harassing that quarterback. Uh the linebackers, who I wasn't particularly high on this year. Uh, I've, I've not really been a Pete Warner and uh, Tough Borland fan. Uh, Malik Harrison, you know, he's had to to step up. So they 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 played better than I expected. You know, Jeffrey Okuda is a full grown man out there at cornerback. I can't wait to see him in the NFL. Oh, I know. So Ohio State, the it, real DBU, uh, maybe. Know, between him and Chase Young. We've got a bona fide stud on the front end and back end of that defense, so uh, I'm I'm I think we're going to cruise pretty easily, probably twenty points, uh, gotcha. twenty point victory. Uh, I like it. But I do I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we gave up 
you know, 23 points or something getting there. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's going to be a struggle early. I would say they're going to start pulling away mid-third quarter, and then it's going to be kind of a, a, a put-out game for them. But I do think it's going to be a struggle early. Well, obviously, buddy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm, I'm, it sucked that we couldn't do this last week, but everything's situated. It was good to get back into the groove with you. I hope you have yourself a good weekend, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. God, wait. Only tackle in the corner.